0: The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. We all have developer horror stories, from language barriers to bad code to developing on time. That's why I recommend using b7dev.com. They're affordable, fast, and more importantly, trustworthy. Go to b7dev.com. Want to scale your growth faster? Gamesboost42 gives you early access to your App Store revenues, allowing you to multiply your growth without losing equity. See how they can help you grow by visiting gamesboost42.com. That once again is gamesboost the number 42.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action pack content related to growing your app downloads and your revenue. Today, we've got a phenomenal guest. We're going to talk all about ASO. We're going to talk about some of the paid stuff. We're going to talk about some of the KPIs that you Susan, I always want to say, key p i don't know i don't know i want to throw the key the word key and every time i say kpis but some of the kpis you should be focusing on when you're launching your app marketing strategy but without further ado let me introduce the guest her name is susan azari she is the mobile app commercial lead at the very group go check it out it is very.co.uk they've got a lot of great e-commerce platform apps out there. She's got over seven years of experience across multiple verticals from beauty, fashion, and more importantly, obviously tech and I'd love to have her on. So Susan, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: I kind of fumbled through that, but let's just keep it all in. <laughs> <laughs> Susan, let's talk about this because I think as somebody you know very you guys are huge you've been around for 100 plus years when you're starting with a big company like this because sometimes i work with a lot of startups and then i'm like okay Mm -hmm. here are the kpis that you should be focusing on when you come at a bigger company what are the kpis that you're looking at
1: yeah that's a great question um because you've got to see the traditional e-commerce platform it's like actually what is the role of the app within that so Almost starting with, I guess, one is like, what are the business's priorities uh, as a start? But then also, I like to map out the full customer funnel. So everything through from awareness acquisition through to retention, looking at win back strategies, and actually uh, mapping out KPIs against each specific stage. So everything through from impressions, but mostly focusing on the metrics where you've got the biggest levers to pull. So uh, against paid activity, things like cost per install, obviously your return on ad spend. Um, but most importantly, it's bringing in high quality installs for your app. So looking at retention rate. Um, and one of the big ones is lifetime value. So actually over the longer term, what what will those users bring to your business? Um, because of uh, the acquisition activity that we run today, we also really like to look at things like 7, 14 and 30 day retention rate. Because within that, we can then start to really zone in on actually what's the onboarding strategy um, and also what kinds of users are we bringing into the app and are they sticking?
0: I like that. And the the one takeaway that I've had just from, you know, the, the business perspective is LTV. Like that's the one metric that we mm. should all be paying attention to is that LTV. Because I feel like sometimes, Susan, when I'm working with startups, they're like, how do I grow? And then what does that really mean is, how do I get yeah. more downloads and I'm like you know sometimes it's not that important more downloads
1: no no I've had that a, a lot even from like some consultancy work that I've done it's like how can we get 8,000 installs a month and I'm like well actually those 90% of those installs could bounce and you yeah. know that could not be the most efficient use of your spend so actually as you said why are they bringing back to your business in the long term how are you getting the most for your money and also how are they growing with your business
0: yeah. What are the levers that you like to pull on when you're thinking about? So, you said awareness, right? And then what was mm-hmm. after awareness? Just uh,
1: acquisition. acquisition.
0: Um, and then,
1: yeah, okay. then there's conversion into a, a customer. Um, so, acquisition in terms of install, conversion into customer based on whatever your business model is, and then ultimately retention. Um, and then there'll be sort of a final part of that funnel, which is looking at lapsed users. So, actually, how can you keep them in, in the long term and win them back?
0: All right. What are you? What which one do you want to focus on? Because I I love the retention aspect of it, and I want to get into it. But like, what do you want to focus on of that funnel, four part funnel?
1: I feel like let's give you what you need if you want to talk about retention.
0: (laughs) Can we all adopt this philosophy? (laughs) (laughs) What he needs. Yeah. (laughs) So, what kind of levers do you like to pull on with the retention side of things?
1: uh, So I I think with retention, it's really important to go back to what are the types of users that you're bringing in um so looking against all of your different campaigns looking at the retention rate against each of those because then you can see actually if there's an issue against a certain campaign or a certain segment that you're bringing in actually looking a bit deeper into actually okay it's something that we need to address at this stage at the top of the funnel but ultimately there are certain levers that you can pull within the app um i think that first initial experience is so important so it's working really closely with the product team on the app experience the onboarding journey um, the data that you're collecting in order to be able to retarget those users. Um, so everything from, for instance, opt-in and for push notifications and then building up CRM comes around that. So I think looking at really your, your owned media uh, channels as opposed to just page strategies such as retargeting so actually what does your push nursery journey look like for instance mm-hmm. how can you tailor that based on the data that you've got of those users that you've brought in so you collect an email address that you can also build up email campaigns um, and then really focus on how you can then personalize that in-app experience based on what you know about that customer so i think get yeah, really looking at your crm channels the data that you're collecting and then use that to either contact them by your own media strategies or also paid strategies as well
0: yeah. I love coming from different industries cuz I wasn't always in the app space and I, while yeah. I'm purely focused on it I come from more of the online marketing space where email marketing and some of the e-commerce background. And so email I'm like app marketers like pay attention to email. It's a great channel to bring people yeah. in back in to get them to convert and it, it's like I feel like it's an, one of those overlooked channels especially from an mm. app marketing perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, we've had great success with it, again, particularly with the onboarding journey. Um, and, you know, that first 30 days are so key in terms of yeah. sort of looking at the impact on the longer-term retention rate. So it's using all the channels that you've got. And for the most part, email is free, which is great, which is probably what your senior stakeholders like to hear as well.
0: Yeah, I like it. What are, what are some of the email campaigns do you have? Is it more like a drip campaign? Or are you using a lot of like personalization when you're trying to bring people back in to the app or get them to convert?
1: Yeah, a lot of personalization. So um, we'll have tailored onboarding journeys depending on, so, so we're as a business split between, um, we're basically also a credit provider so you can have flexible ways to pay uh-huh. um, or you can pay by cash. So we'll have a mixture of prospects, people that we know have actually made a purchase. And for those that have made a purchase, if someone's a cash customer, we want to push them to become a credit as we know they have a better LTV. So we've got journeys that are based on essentially pushing you through to becoming what we'd consider to be our ideal customer. And then the emails are personalized based on that. So it might be a that you viewed or also products that you have purchased. We'll try and do cross-selling. So we work with um, a company called Movable Inc. And they'll essentially scrape uh, data from the app and then pull through uh product recommendations uh, automatically which is great um so yeah we do we do a mixture of all of that
0: okay i love that susie what the now let's take it up funnel i guess from the acquisition side when you're coming up with a marketing strategy how do you kind of balance between all right we know these are channels that work and then here's some new ones that we want to explore
1: yeah this is a great question so we the approach that we've taken is to have a real diversified portfolio of partners. So we have partners that will help flex towards different KPIs. Um, pretty much probably once per quarter, we have budgets set aside specifically to test a new vendor. And obviously, the, there are new opportunities all the time. So if there's something new and exciting that comes up that we wanna try, like we'll, we'll try potentially two or three per quarter. But we always wanna make sure that we're testing what else is out there to see how we can expand our reach ultimately.
0: Got it. Is there a set of, but like a 20% of the budget, let's always try new channels. Do you guys have that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's actually exactly that. So it's it's 20% of our total budget. We put aside per quarter just to test a new partner. And also it's just that three month period. gives us enough time to actually fully test that out um, and show that we're not adding too many other variables into the mix.
0: Are you able to share ones that are working well? And then ones that are like, "Mm, that didn't work for us.
1: Um I think that what's worked well for us on the mo- at the moment um, is particularly working with some other in-app publishers. Um, so we have a partner called Loop Me, who our brand team were using, but we weren't using for app campaigns. So they are using it for brand awareness just generally for very And actually what we've been able to do is launch um, app prospecting campaigns uh, with LoopMe, but leveraging the data from the brand campaign. So if we know somebody's engaged with a brand campaign, but they don't have the app, yeah. it's actually serving them an app specific campaign with a similar sort of creative messaging. And we've seen brilliant ROI off the back of that. I um, mean, we only started testing them last quarter.
0: Oh, interesting. Is there one that yeah. didn't work, Susan? <laughs>
1: um, I did change my tone for did,
0: that one. <laughs> yeah, I noticed.
1: <laughs> Um, In terms of something that that hasn't worked for us, so bizarrely, like Facebook retargeting has been really really difficult for us to scale. Yeah, for prospecting, it's been fantastic. Um, Our cost per install is ridiculously low, but we're seeing a really profitable ROI off the back of it. We're scaling a high volume of installs as well, but they're actually quality installs. Um, We've been able to test many different creative messages, and it's been brilliant for us as a growth channel. But we've run some uplift tests um, uh, via Facebook for retargeting, and we just really didn't see much of an incremental uplift at all. So, I mean, there's there's many things that we probably need to look at to approach differently, but it was a bit of a surprising one for us that um, that wasn't really scaling.
0: Are you guys doing anything on Pinterest? I'm very curious about this, Uh, Jenna.
1: No, it's a good question. And actually, yeah, we were having a conversation about this today. Um, So we launched some brand campaigns on Pinterest as a test as part of our sort of mid-funnel activity, um, but we're looking to launch a test this year with contrast specifically for app campaigns.
0: Okay, so one thing I want to ask you, Susan, is yeah, you know, because you have an e-commerce and you can, you know, things can happen on the web. How do you balance between like, okay, well, people we can get them to either buy on the web, we can get them to buy in the, in the app itself. Like, how do you guys balance that, or is that something you guys even think about?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question, and I think um, it's an interesting challenge I found when I it, it works these big e com giants. That have been yeah site first, app second, because one is that it's a bit of a business mindset change as well of actually what's the value of the app and why do we need to focus on it and drive more of our customers there. So it's been an open question that we've had as a business and wh- what we found is that the app is a really great loyalty channel for us. So it's a, it's a great retention channel uh, rather than an acquisition channel in terms of what we would call new credit customers. So what we were doing as a business is actually focusing, okay, how can we move more of our existing customer base from the site onto app? Mm-hmm. Um, we think the app should be the channel of choice. Which it's our fastest growing channel within the business. But we recognize that we have a bit of an older demographic as well and they are a little bit more like they still shop on the desktop site and that's fine. We've got channels there that that suit each of our different customers, but we want to make app uh, the core channel within all of that.
0: Right. Are you guys differentiating between like mobile web and like desktop web too?
1: uh so again sorry
0: like mobile web like sometimes i'll do this yeah. right Like i'll see an instagram ad for like an e-commerce site and i'm like oh i'm yeah. gonna check out on the on my phone on the on the web though like through safari so are you guys differentiating like all right do we drive people in the app mobile web desktop web where are the most valuable users it's got to be a lot of things to think about we are yeah in.
1: definitely yeah and it is it is a challenge you know, we, we do sometimes see customers that use all three there are some that just sit to desktop. Mm. There are some that shift between mobile and desktop. I think ultimately we want to be channel agnostic, but what we found is that there is a clear uplift in customer value when they do use the app mm. for a number of reasons. The fact that it's there on your device, we've got that premium placement on the home screen of your phone. Um, we've got push notifications as an additional channel. Know that they tend to visit us more if they've got the app. So it's trying to educate the customer who is so used to the mobile or desktop experience of what the benefit is of using the app. Yeah.
0: I know one thing that's working well for you guys is app store optimization. We talk a lot about app store optimization, Susan. So what's working on, what's working out well for you guys?
1: Yeah. My favorite topic. Um, really? So okay. I, let's
0: let's do it. Yeah. Let's do what you um, need, Susan. Now let's give you what you need.
1: Thanks so much. <laughs> um, it has been uh, such a brilliant opportunity for us as a business, um, as an organic growth leader, um, you know, all of our, our acquisition traffic is driving through to the app store. It, We need to make sure that it's working hard for us in terms of conversion. So we have a pretty sort of, um, uh, I guess, got in quite a good place with our approach now. So we've built our our, our strategy. We test everything on the Google Play Store first, um, Mm. as we don't have those tests and options on on the iOS app store. Um, And whilst there's a a different user across both, and there's different behaviors, we sort of take it as a, you know, the hypothesis that this will work if we roll it out onto onto Apple. Um, Some great, sort of strides that we've made over the past 12 months are particularly with our our screenshot assets so Mm. when I first started the business I think they hadn't been updated in about a year so it was just really going in and doing a gap analysis of actually like what do we need to focus on so we filled all of our screenshot placements we now have video assets landscape assets which all feed into our apple search ads um we reviewed all of our our keywords we did some keyword mining um over the peak period, we were the ranked second highest for the shopping term within the app store, which is amazing. Wow. That was up from 56th place the year before. And that was through a good combination of um, an organic keywords approach, including it within our subtitles, where we noticed the biggest uplift in installs, but also making sure we were targeting it from a, a paid perspective as well. So make sure we've been really combined there, both you know, obviously it influenced the other. Um, but yeah, it's been brilliant. And it's one of those things where, We can make changes and it's so great to see them go live and then be able to measure the results quite quickly. Um, So yeah, we've been really proud of everything that we've delivered there.
0: That's awesome. How does that, yeah, I would love to talk about, because we talk a lot about keyword optimization, all that stuff, but like how does the page strategy inform the organic strategy or how, how do you guys work off each other with that?
1: I think as a, as a, place to start where we'll look is like where, where we're ranking today where our competitors are ranking where we think there's, a, there's an opportunity um but then we'll also use particularly the discovery campaigns within apple search ads mm-hmm. because that then gives us a good view of actually where are we seeing some volume and a good conversion rate against certain keywords that we hadn't considered and then we'll make sure we include those within our, our organic uh, keyword rankings as well
0: can I get geeky with you on the the, yeah, ads? Go okay. On. And the discovery? Yeah. Okay. So, like, what we've done with clients is like, okay, we'll have a because the discovery can get crazy, right? It's like, whoa. Mm. So, we have a, I don't know if you have a cost per acquisition goal, but we tend to have a lower cost per tap thing. Is this all good stuff? Or, like, how, what have you seen work well from a discovery campaign, like setting up compared to like an exact match campaign on search ads? Yeah.
1: Okay. So, uh, we've seen that we've had, Probably a slightly lower cost per. Oh, sorry, my battery. Um, we've had a a slightly lower cost per tap on some of the keywords we've seen in the in the discovery campaign, Mm -hmm. but we've quite deliberately set um a a lower big cap on that campaign overall because we don't want to run through too much of our budget on. What for us is like a, a bit of a risk, essentially. So we found that as we move that over to be more of an exact match within one of our competitor or generic campaigns, for instance, that then we'll start to like look at actually our bid approach, and then ultimately like our cost per tap will start to go up. But hopefully, like we're then bidding in a bit more of an aggressive space against our competitors, and do you know it kind of peaks and troughs throughout the year as well, depending on our competitors' strategies and what they're sure. bidding on.
0: What have you worked? What have you, without revealing revealing too much to maybe some of your competitors? What have you worked? What have you seen work really well from a screenshot optimization perspective? Is it having the show, you know, buy now or shop brands you love? Pay later that pay later messaging. Is it showing off the different elements? So what have you A/B tested and you found that worked the best?
1: So we A/B tested all of those um, because we because obviously you have so many screenshots. It's really difficult to understand okay exactly. Yeah. What within the messaging exactly is getting people to convert. So we sort of, you know, we grouped them within themes and tested each of those themes over, it's about two months period. What we found, which is kind of no surprise, is that the benefits of the app experience in terms of what's actually unique to the app
0: mm-hmm. or what had
1: a higher conversion rate. So actually, because we, we see mostly our existing customers who are shifting over from the desktop and mobile site and the app, it makes sense because they're like, okay, I already shop on your mobile site. What is your app giving me that that's no? They're already familiar with the brands. So calling out things like the My Account experience, we have um like a CUI chat box, uh, push notifications, exclusive offers, right. all of those things have definitely driven a higher conversion rate in terms of screenshots.
0: Right. I would have never thought that because when I'm looking at your screenshots, it's like very much like like what you just said, track your order. You know, twenty four seven customer service. It's not like, hey, you know, cool. Like the the third, third or fourth. I think it's the fifth screenshot. Shop the latest looks mm-hmm. online, which I think would be like that should be the number one, right? But instead, yeah, it's like same. you know, manage your account on the go
1: yeah same and we actually had the one that you just said around sort of like a shot of shopping fashion for instance as our second screenshot because we thought yeah that that one will actually make the most sense in terms of conversion so that's why it's so important to test because you can always have these hypotheses but ultimately yeah you need to let your user i guess give you that that information
0: are you so when i you tell me what you feel about this season but like i'm like well screenshots on google play like you don't really see it until you hit the app store, right? It's not in the search results. So I'm like, is it going to yeah. really tell me much? And is that the first thing I should even AB test on Google play? Because I'm like, well, the icons right there. Like that's the main thing I should AB test first. And then on Apple, it's completely different where I do see the screenshots. So I'm like, Hey, definitely AB test the screenshots on Apple. And you know, we have to either use a third party platform or use yeah. search ads, but like, what do you feel about this whole AB testing and what elements of an AB test should you focus on first?
1: yeah so that's a really good question um and in terms of from like research and from tests that i've run there are certain elements that will have the biggest impact in terms of your app store conversion rate and those are title subtitle icon over screenshots that's where we found when we've made any changes if there's an uplift that's where we see the biggest gain Mm. so i agree i would definitely focus on those because they're the most prominent in terms of what you see on both app stores but also apparently the the subtitle for instance has the second um uh highest weighted influence on app store rankings in terms of the keywords that you yeah. have within it so i think focus on those yeah those those bigger opportunities first and ultimately you know they require the, the least amount of resource screenshots have to go through creative teams for instance i think they're also probably the, the biggest quick wins as well
0: got it and i just want to make sure the listener knows the very company the the very app is only available in the uk right
1: yeah correct okay
0: Great. How does that inform your decision? Like, do, it's because I'm like, you know, one of the things I talk about too is like localization, you know, expanding. Yeah. Do you feel limited in that? You're like, oh, fudge, we can only work in the UK. <laughs>
1: yeah, I have, yeah, big FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: I love it. Anything I missed, you want to make sure we cover season?
1: No, that's all good. Thank you.
0: Hey, you know, one thing that I will ask is, You know, I always feel like customers or clients and companies want to go too big too fast. Like, do you have a mindset or your perspective, having worked with so many various companies, that you're like, oh well, you know, here's the big mistakes and pitfalls that like beginning app marketers make. Mm.
1: Um, I think that I've always been of that sort of that like hyper growth mindset, and also because I've worked at you know startups where you have to move quickly, Mm. and I think that's something that um. I re- it took me a bit of a while to realise because you want to drive success. You don't want to ever go back to a stakeholder and say, oh, actually, this didn't work. But I've realised that, yeah, it's okay to fail. Um, there's no such thing in my mind as a failed test. Actually, you can learn from, from everything that you do. I think, you know, take those small calculated risks, bake enough into your budget to, to account for those things that might not work. Um, and yeah, be up front. You know, actually, this didn't work, but this is why, and we're going to release a new iteration of this and build on this and and understand it. Um, so yeah, it's okay to say that something didn't work,
0: okay? I like it. All right, and I have to ask one more question with the email marketing. Yeah, what's been one of the more successful email campaigns that you've run that you're like, man, I saw humongous success because obviously you have so much experience with email marketing? Um,
1: one of the best campaigns that I've run, and I haven't seen I don't think i've seen anybody else do this was that um, a company i was at called charles turret um so it was for our high returner segment so there was about i think we identified there was about ten thousand customers a year who would place their first order return it never shop with us again and so what we did is we built a returners program on email so we would recognize the product that they'd returned we'd send them a survey and ask them why they'd return that specific product so that way we're getting some insight in terms of actually what didn't work here so that we can address that next time and then they'd have a targeted promotion um on a similar similar category and it was like super hyper personalized in terms of um the the content within it and mm-hmm. we saw amazing conversion right off the back of it um so yeah that's been one of my favorites i think
0: wait so let me sorry i was looking up what charles what did but i was like so you said hey these were high returns let me email them figure out why they returned and then Send them a promo afterwards too?
1: Yeah, we'd send that we so yeah, what we do is we send them a promo, but we'd also have so there's like a two part email program. Okay. So if they said they returned it because they didn't like the fit, we'd send them a follow-up and say, Okay, actually, did you know we've got fit guides online? Or did you know that you can return your item for free? And actually we'd encourage them to, to shop again, but give them the education behind okay, this didn't work, but give us another chance because actually if you look at this, this and this, we think you'll be happy and we'll give you a percentage off.
0: I love that. Did you just do like A, B, and C? Like sometimes I find it, give them a multiple choice because if you just leave it open-ended, they'll never reply with anything. I think I froze a little bit. <laughs>
1: yeah, we did a multiple choice because um we had to, in order to build the program. Oh, sorry. Yeah. um, We did multiple choice because um, depending on the option they selected, that would then trigger the follow-up campaign. So it was like, if it was to do with you know your order was late, you didn't like the fit, you didn't like the quality, for instance. And yeah, we let them select one of those.
0: I love that. I know one email campaign I'll share since we're all sharing here, Susan, that we've done as well. well you like, saw that? Yeah, I am. I think oh, yeah. the internet sucks here at this office. But one campaign that worked really well for us is doing something similar what you said and putting A, B, Oh, really? It's doing this, but then asking them, like, mm. reply to this email because then you're sort of hacking the email service providers like Gmail and being like, Oh, this is a good sender because you're obviously communicating. It's not just the one way. So we said, Hey, you know what? Like for me, it would be like, we're creating content. What kind of content do you want to see from us? A at market, ASO, B, you know, Facebook ads, C, whatever. Yeah. And then they reply, like, just hit reply and let me know. And then they would just put A, B, you're like, thanks. You know, and then getting them to reply helps our with our open rates and deliverability rates as well.
1: Oh, I love that. That's really clever.
0: Yeah, I love it. Susan. Anything else that you want to talk about that I didn't ask you? (laughs)
1: Um, What else didn't you ask me? Oh, I think you asked about like, what's my favorite app? Is that something that you asked? Oh yeah, I'm going to hit you
0: with that later. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, fab. Um, No, I think you've covered, I think everything I wanted to talk about.
0: Cool. Well, Susan, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. You kind of teased it, but give us an app that we should definitely check out.
1: So this is a mean answer because not everyone can access it at the moment, especially Android users. So apologies. Um, but at the moment, I am obsessed with Clubhouse. Um, I You're think tell that. Why. <laughs> Do you know? At first, I'm I'm really not too sh- too sure about this, but I use it every single day. Um, I think the rise of yeah audio social apps and just all audio in general as a platform is something that I don't think many of us really really saw like coming our way and I think that this year particularly during lockdown the rise of things like podcasts people want something that they can they can listen to but also have more authentic and um, more meaningful connections with people which is quite Mm. difficult to do sometimes over platforms like Instagram and I think also removing that sort of visual aspect again sort of makes that communication more authentic I've just been in these like rooms, as they call them, um, with some of the most inspirational people who give one-to-one feedback. They're just an, another person on potentially the other side of the world who may be also in at marketing or social media, mm. or they might be an entrepreneur who's willing to give you advice on your business or things about wellbeing, or you can just chat about your favourite films. Um, and it's a really nice like inclusive space i think that scarcity aspect has been very clever from them in terms of having it on an invite basis Mm. um because it's very sort of naturally built up this buzz behind clubhouse without them having to do any marketing really at all um and then i think the plan is for them to roll out to android in march apparently so i'll be interested to see yeah what happens when yeah they roll that out to everybody
0: well, here's my take on it i'm like i have played around with cool. it i'm like it's kind of like podcasting but you're taking all my favorite parts of podcasting out meaning i can't <laughs> put 2x speed or 1.8 is what i prefer yeah and i can't skip over the ads and i'm like yeah. you're kind of taking all the best parts of pod of like me listening to a podcast all out and yeah. on demand right like i have to mm-hmm. listen to it live I'm like, I don't get it yet. And so curious to hear. But I like what you said, Susan, was just like the communal aspect of it, which obviously we we can't do so well with podcasting. It's just a one-on-one conversation type of thing.
1: Yeah, definitely. No, I'm very interested to see where it goes and also what other competitors come up with in the space as well.
0: Yeah, I heard a lot of people are doing it now, this space.
1: Yeah.
0: Susan, it could be business or personal, but what's a lesson that took you the longest to learn?
1: Um I think, yeah, to touch back on some advice, but uh i gave one of my other answers which is that it's okay to fail um i think it's something that i'm not scared of now yeah i embrace Mm -hmm. it um i think it's yeah not i think because i put so much into what i do sometimes it feels very personal and something doesn't work so i think it's realizing that actually it's okay and it's it's the lessons that you can learn from from anything like that that happens
0: yeah so as i've gotten older i'm like okay you know life's pretty long and all these failures that you thought were like so big and back in the day like oh they shaped you into who you are today
1: yeah exactly
0: I love it. Well, the website is very.co.uk. Check them out. If you're looking, if you're in the UK and you want some e-commerce and some brands and some, what do you guys have apparel, everything that you might need from a fashion perspective, it is very.co.uk. Check them out there. Susan, if the audience wants to follow up with you in any other way, do you want to send them anywhere else?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely connect me on LinkedIn if you have any questions. So uh, it's Susan Azari on LinkedIn.
0: All right. Well, that is Susan's name. I don't know. I said, all right, that was weird. All right. Susan's name is linked up to her LinkedIn profile as well. So you can go say hi and say, thank you for coming on. Like I did. And when I heard her on the business of apps podcast, I was like, we got to have Susan on. So I'm so grateful that you took the time to do this, Susan. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. This is great. Thank you.
0: Thank you all for watching or listening and I'll see you on the next chat.